You're listening to episode 53 of The Marketer's Mindset with Brian Burkhardt. Welcome back to The Marketer's Mindset, the podcast where we talk about how to create and sustain a powerful mindset to help you build a successful online business and lead a happy and abundant life. Okay, everyone, I'm really excited to be talking with today's guest for the second time. If you didn't hear our first conversation, then be sure to go back and check out episode 44. This gentleman from Australia has a unique background that has taken his life on a massive journey to self-discovery. From web developing, software development, advertising, video production, directing TV commercials, and even spending 15 years living as a Buddhist monk where he met and spent time with His Holiness the Dalai Lama, to currently owning a digital agency in Australia where he works with multiple eight-figure businesses on brand strategy, marketing, and sales funnel. Recently, as he has pivoted the business to focus exclusively on personal brands because he sees personal branding as a serious business trend moving forward and is seen in his own agency where conversion rates for the same products are higher when advertised via the owner's personal brand. Please welcome Clark Scott to the show. Mr. Clark Scott, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me here again. Yes. You know what? You uh, made the podcast history for the marketer's mindset as the very first uh, repeat guest. Oh, really? Oh, that's good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You were so good. We had to bring you back. That's nice to hear, mate. Thank you. Yeah, no, we had a, I really enjoyed our last conversation and I mean, it, it went on longer than some of the other ones and it could have went on for even longer. There was so much more I wanted to talk to you. So I'm glad that we have you back on. And what I'm excited about is, um, you know, last time I was able to ask you a bunch of questions about your background and being a Buddhist monk and meditation and so forth. And what I really like now, and I really want to touch on with you, Clark is, um, what you're really focused on now with the personal branding and, what I like, you've been really um, consistent with putting out videos. Um, I've been trying to follow up on them. As I told you, I've got uh, a busy time in my life right now, so I'm trying to do work and do some personal stuff. Um, so I've been listening to a little bit of them. But what I liked is uh, how you have there, and you talked about the three pillars to an extraordinary life. And you talked about one being entrepreneurialism, number two, personal branding, and then three, de- near and dear to my heart, mindset. So let's kind of touch on, I think when you talk about entrepreneurialism, you're basically just talking about taking charge of your life and and creating your own business instead of working for someone. Is that what you mean by it? Or if not, explain it a little bit about entrepreneurialism as being one of the pillars. Yeah, yeah, I do. So the the basic premise of uh, of, uh, the whole idea is that uh, we all want an extraordinary life. There's, There's probably no one out in the world whatsoever um, who doesn't want their life to go well, that they don't wake up every morning hoping that things are going to go well. So how we define um, extraordinary is different depending on who the individual is, but we all want an extraordinary life. And so there's three key parts to making this happen um, from my perspective. And the first is entrepreneurialism. And what I mean by that, 
um, is is essentially just building your own businesses. The reason why that's a pillar is that uh, what we, what most of us are chasing when we talk about living an extraordinary life, it is freedom. And there are two kinds of freedom that I'm certainly chasing. And at a guess, I reckon most people would also agree with this, but they may define exactly what that is in different ways. So time freedom and financial freedom. And essentially what that what that gives you is the freedom to do what you want and when you want to do it. And that's really, a, a, um, that's essentially the first key. So to do that, um, and the reason why entrepreneurialism is uh, the first of the three keys to an extraordinary life is that entrepreneurialism gives you the freedom from both a creative um, perspective. So as a uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, you're able to come up with ideas. So it's not just about um, you know owning a franchise or being a um, a freelance graphic designer. It's a little bit more than that. So and you could do this as a graphic designer, but it's not it's not just about um, swapping time for money. It's not it's not about being a service provider. It's about growing something that is bigger uh, and beyond your your current scope, your current scope of thinking, the way you're thinking. So um, what entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurialism allows you to do is be creative. And that through that creative process, you're able to come up with ideas that can potentially change the world. So I honestly believe that the people who are making the greatest impact in our, in our world right now are entrepreneurs. They're the ones that are shifting the world to a better place. Uh, politicians have to govern what we do. But it's the entrepreneurs of the world that, that are really making all the difference. So the creative process, you're able to be creative and then execute on those creations and see them through and also um, participate in the payoff. So when entrepreneurial, entrepreneurialism goes well and correct, um, the payout at the other end is much bigger than you can get in any other kind of, uh, of business, whether it's swapping time for money even as a freelancer or, or working for yourself or, um, you know, owning a, a, an agency, I own a digital agency, and that very much is, is about swapping time for money, um, although I can scale it out by bringing in other people to do some of that work for me. However, it is still swapping time for money. And so, that I mean, that's essentially the, the, the idea is being creative and coming up with uh, with ideas um, and then executing on those ideas. And that can be, it, you know, it doesn't have to be um, creating, inventing something new. It could be leveraging an existing uh, trend um, and then moving forward in that. So it could be building software, uh, SaaS applications. It could be um, it could be coaching and then, you know, producing online courses and then scaling that out. It could be an e-commerce store, a new physical product, a new way of, um, uh, you know, some kind of new product that you're then um, placing on a, onto an e-commerce store and then selling it via via that. Uh, so, you know, there's the old idea that you don't want to be the first to market because uh, if your idea is the first to market, it's, it's likely not going to work and you don't want to be the last. You want to be in the middle. So watching trends is, is very uh, I think is very important as as an entrepreneur, and that kind of leads. You want me to just go straight into the second, Brian, because I could just talk forever, mate. Yeah, no, I know, and we can always talk. And so, let me just get before we go to the next uh, the pillar on there. Let me kind of get and see if what I'm what I'm understanding what you're saying. So, basically, entrepreneurialism is is kind of coming up with something that's 
is have it like on a grand scale, something that has a, a big purpose and has a big, huge effect on others. So it's not just like you said, creating just a business for yourself that you're working at, but something that's bigger than you that you're able to do, whether it's through software, um, coaching, like you said, but it, it has a, a much bigger impact on a lot more people. Is that what, kind of what you're saying? Yes and no. So it, it's not about being an inventor. Um, it's about uh, being of service to others. So that's what I mean by being at being bigger than yourself. So if you're able to create a business um, uh, that takes a, a another person from an unhappy state to a happy state, regard it doesn't matter. It could be any niche. It could be health. It could be it, it, the niche doesn't matter. If you're taking someone from an unhappy state to a happy state, um, then there's a business that you can you can wrap a business around that. So it's really about um, it's really about that. It's about service to others more than uh, just service servicing oneself. Yes. Okay. I love it. That's 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 huge, and I love that take that you have on it because it's a big, much bigger picture, and it's much more effective. And like you said, it. It's going to do more. Entrepreneurs are going to be the people that are going to make the biggest difference. And you see now with the trend with a lot of these big, you know, thinkers with Elon Musk and Peter Diamandis and guys like this, they're just big, huge thinkers. Uh, Naveen Jain. I mean, these guys are entrepreneurs, but they're doing stuff in a big way that's making a big act, impact on the world. So I think that's powerful. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And, but there's also, there are um, thousands upon thousands of smaller people, uh, smaller entrepreneurs uh, who are also making an impact, but the impact is smaller. So um, a couple of people that I've been in contact with recently, uh, one is a woman out of Canada and uh, I won't mention names, but she's, she's working with uh, families and children who are having trouble sleeping. Oh, okay. And so her... Um, her, I mean, her business. I think it could be. I mean, that that makes an impact in people's lives in a in a positive way. So she's entrepreneurial. She wants to she wants to enact change in others um, through service to others. She wants to help others and um, leveraging uh, leveraging the internet, leveraging um, the things that we have available to us now, um, which is a nice little segue into. The, the, the other two pillars and I can go through them quickly and we can come back and um, and you know dive deeper into each if you like because that might give your your listeners a good overview of what it is that I'm saying and if but if we take this particular person as an example um, and even if we were say that this person's fictitious and she's not but um, let's just for argument's sake say that she is uh, so She's um so her business is online. So the three pillars to uh, an extraordinary life is first of all that you are um you are an entrepreneur. So that for me is about um taking someone from an unhappy state to a happy state and then providing that as either a piece of software, an online course, some you know coaching, something that that someone is able to take from you that in exchange for money and that you can scale that out and that it it makes it, it has a positive impact on people's lives. The second tier or the second pillar of an extraordinary life is personal branding. So I'm seeing in my digital, digital agency a real trend towards personal branding. And what I mean by personal branding um, is not 
or I should say personal branding is not, uh, shouldn't be conflated with ego. So it's not, a, it's not selfies. Um, personal branding should not be conflated with the outer appearance of a, of a business, of a brand. And if we think about it from, let's say, Apple's point of view, you know, Apple was headed by someone with a very strong personal brand. Microsoft was. Um, Tesla is. You know, most people know of, of uh, Musk, Elon Musk, um, probably more so than they do um, the companies that he runs. Right. Uh, so he's got a very, very strong personal brand. But because of that, it's because of that, not in spite of that, but because of that, people are able to uh, attach themselves to it. So personal branding I'm seeing as a, as a real trend, and I don't mean trendy. I mean it's a trend that's being driven by business. And there's three key reasons why that's the case uh, because there have been people like um, Gary V who have been banging on um, about personal branding for you know near on 10 years. And in our last interview, uh, and I don't know whether this was edited out, but I was a little bit uh, a little bit harsh on on Gary and I've since spent a little bit more time um, looking at him, looking at his business and just listening to him. And uh, while I still do think that his his uh, thinking can be a little bit shallow, I have come around and I'm I'm a lot more uh, a lot more charitable to to what Gary's doing. Now I'm not conf- I don't want to criticize the human being because um, Gary is a human being and he's a fantastic human being. He has a wife and kids, and I'm sure he's great as a father and as a husband and as a business owner as a as an employ an employer. Um, my last time I said, you know, it's the, the energy that was, uh, for me was a little bit off putting. Ironically, um, I can be a little bit like Gary. So, uh, which is a friend of mine pointed that out to me. Um, and so I went and had a look and I, I, I like him a little more. So the, <laughs> once the, he the, said they're like you a little bit, a, huh, Clark, you were like, ah, he's ah. a good, good mate then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, perhaps that's the reason why I was uh, um, pushing back against him because it was like holding up a mirror. And uh, so when I look at him, I'm seeing a little bit about a, a little little bit of me in him. And he he does have this very masculine, almost aggressive energy. And I I don't see myself that way, but perhaps others do perceive me in a similar way. A little bit rough, a little bit tough. Uh, and um, you know, we can get stuff done because of that. Gary V is a classic example. Um, and we can be very opinionated, but we're coming from a place of compassion and um, loving kindness, you know, wanting to do good in the world and getting paid for it. And that, that is something that I uh, is, is very deep in me. Wanting to do good and get paid for it is, is very deep in me. So there is these three things that are happening within the personal, the personal branding or the reason why it's trendy. Uh, it's been driven by three key components within from business. It's not narcissistic at all. And the first of that is that entrepreneurialism is now seen as a legitimate career. It is something that we can call ourselves, although it's quite a nebulous term. Uh, a lot of people still don't really know what it is, but it is absolutely a genuine and authentic career path where you can come up with ideas, create a business around that idea, and then either build it and then flip it or build it and um, you know try and build out the user base um, and just continue to be in the business. That's an actual path. The second is a, a truly global economy. So some people may argue that we've had a global economy for uh, for 100 years, and that may be the case. But I think, I, I don't have an argument, I don't have a, I don't disagree with that, but I think we have a truly global economy now because in anyone in the world, in half an hour, 
as long as they have a telephone and the internet access, can go online, create a Stripe account, create a ClickFunnels account, and be selling something online to someone on the other side of the world within 30 minutes. That's truly global. 100 years ago, you couldn't do that. 50 years, 50 years ago, you couldn't do that. 15 years ago, it was incredibly hard to do that. Um, you know, I wrote code um, talking to Gateway Systems 15, 15 years ago. I know that it wasn't easy. <laughs> And oh, there goes my there goes my yeah. phone Uh-oh. on Instagram. So um, if anyone's actually live on Insta, apologies for that. It nearly went in the coffee too. Oh no! Um, so so I will I will actually end the Insta there. So we just uh, sorry guys, but I'm going to end Insta. Uh, ciao. And I'll share that out. Uh, so this so we truly have a, a global economy where anyone in the world can do that, and within fifteen. You know, 30 minutes of the max, even if you're a complete technophobe, within an hour, within 60 minutes, you could have a ClickFunnels account set up and be selling stuff online. That's truly global. And the third um, is the, the maturity of SaaS applications. So the because SaaS applications, software as a service, things like ClickFunnels, things like Kajabi, um, you know, deadline funnels, EverWebinar, these kinds of applications, they, they, they're cheap. You can get a ClickFunnels account for 100 bucks a month and be selling online within half an hour. Uh, 100 bucks a month, 15 years ago, to, to have that same functionality would be um, it, it would be tens of thousands of dollars. You'd have to pay a, a developer, a software developer, to write that stuff. Um, it would be proprietary, and it you know so the maturity of software applications plus couple that together with media platforms and the two big ones being Facebook and YouTube. Um, allow you to distribute your content, uh, allow you to distribute content, video um, and words, you know, on Facebook, pictures and images. And as, as well as that, they have, they're coupled together with advertising uh, um, platforms so that we're able to, as marketers, as business owners, as entrepreneurs, we're able to uh, cre- think of stuff, be creative, build whatever it is that we've just, you know, that's come into our consciousness to build that out and then uh create marketing around it, create a message around it, and then put it out on the internet, talk on videos, do podcasts, uh, and then target the what we believe to be the perfect person that would benefit from our stuff. Um, so it's because of those three that – and um, so here's the kicker, Brian. Unless um, – and I hear an alarm going off. Is it from your phone? Is that you or me? Yeah, it sounded like a phone. It may, it may have, in fact, been my wife, uh, and that's cool. No problem. So, <laughs> um, where was I? I got just, I just got tripped over by the by the alarm. Um, I was. So here's the kicker, and you might just have to edit that little bit out um, if you like, Brian. Um, the if we couple those three together, the the, the convergence of those three: entrepreneurialism as a path. Um, a truly global economy and the maturity of SaaS applications and media platforms, which is essentially a dis- distribution platform, the two together. Um, here's the thing. The, unless you're buying a commodity, you're buying toilet paper, a toothbrush, um, people buy right. from people. They don't, they don't buy brands. They buy from people. And that becomes even more important on the internet where inherent in our communication is a disconnect. We've never met. We've met online 
and inherent and and even though there's a relationship between you and I this is the second time I've been on your podcast so we know each other you know a little bit about my story I know a little bit about your story we still haven't met so there's this inherent within the communication is uh, like a gulf and a, a distance between mm-hmm. us so how do we get how do we get past that well we get past that just um we don't ever really get past that but the the uh the funneling in from no to like to trust just takes longer so the amount of trust that we could have in each other would be could be eventually the same as if we were actually in the same room it would just take longer so the reason why personal branding is um is a far better option over and above branding a business uh, and remembering this is the second pillar of an extraordinary life. So brand yourself as a personal brand, not a business, is that people buy from people. Therefore, conversion rates are better. Now, because conversion rates are better, your uh, your ROI on going out to cold traffic via a Facebook ad or a YouTube ad means that you can be positive ROI, which means that you can begin to uh, – essentially just grow your business by using paid traffic. So that that's the real beauty of it. And then of course the third is mindsets because all of this uh is is the foundation of all of this is one's own mindset, one's own psychology. And if you don't have that right from the start, then none of it matters because it because right. none of it'll happen. You won't come up with the creative ideas, you won't be able to execute, uh you will self-sabotage um at some point something will break down and and it will it will be coming from your mindset and the hard part really is um is just is seeing what it is that's holding us back um so yeah that's that's the three the, the, the three and, and I'm definitely I'm going to want to circle back to what you just said about the limiting beliefs and what holds us back so we're going to definitely touch on that cuz I think that's that's huge like you said it you can't get out of the start gate if you don't have the proper mindset so but what I want to go back to on yeah. the personal branding, and I like this is something that I got, I think, off your website or from either your Facebook page. But what it was is I like how you defined uh, personal branding. And you were saying it has nothing to do with pretty logos, professionally edited videos, or anything to do with understand it, but it has to do with the understanding of your core values and wrapping a marketing message around those core values. And then using direct response to get that message out. So I love what you said. Can you touch more on it? Because I think your definition is great, but kind of give the listeners some example, because a lot of them are small business owners. And and I, and I, going back to what you said earlier, and I love what you said, because when I was talking about Elon Musk and Peter Diamandis and all this stuff, I didn't want people to think that you just have to be a huge entrepreneur to make a difference, like your woman in Canada you can make a huge impact in your local community. And if you're on the internet, you can even touch worldwide. Like you had expressed earlier, it's, it's a medium now where you could be in bed, still selling a product or a course or have a, you know, a coaching where you can talk to just like, for example, us, we're talking now with an 18 hour difference between us, but with the power of the internet and, and SAS tools like this that we're using Zencaster, we're able to communicate here and share a message and help others. So it's very powerful. So give us some examples of what entrepreneur can do to focus on building their personal brand. Okay. So you're right in, in everything that you just said. Um, for me, personal branding has nothing to do with um, pretty logos, professionally edited uh, videos. It, it, it's very much about um, understanding 
understanding your core value. So I, I know that term's a little bit nebulous and um, it's actually done on purpose. So the reason why I've, I've, I mean, it's true that, that it is your core values, but I could potentially expand it so that, so it's, it's less kind of vague. Uh, and the reason why I've kept it vague is because I want it to be intellectually in, uh, stimulating. I want someone to actually think about well, what, what does that even mean? In part, because one of my core values is a depth of analysis. I don't like things that are shallow um, as, a, as a general rule. I like art. I like movies that, that move me. I like, I don't, I'm not interested in watching Hollywood movies. I'd rather watch Art House. So one of my core values is this kind of depth of analysis, um, depth of a human being, consciousness studies. Um, you, you know, you kind of touched on my um, background at the start. So um, that, those interests that I had for the past 20 years are still very much a key um, interest in my life to this day. And I meditate every day. I read a philosophy and psychology, et cetera. So, uh, so for me, core values is essentially – um, or how you would go about personal branding, maybe a, a, a good way to explain it and also give your listeners some actionable um, tactical strategies that they can use tomorrow or even as we're speaking. The first thing you need to do is really understand what, what you value at the core of your, of your being, so to speak. Um, and I don't mean in business, I mean just as a human being, what is it that you value? And then delineating that, like just listing those things out. Uh, so if you have, if you can then wrap a marketing message around those that are related to the business that you're currently in. So in my case, um, with the personal branding course that I've got, um, and um, I've got another course coming out at, I don't know exactly when, but at some point in the future, um, there's going to be run more like a mentorship kind of thing around entrepreneurship. And I'm going to call it the Academy. And um, so on my, and this is a mantra that I say to myself, but it's also um, the message that I've wrapped around my core values. And that is, if you want to live an extraordinary life, you need to be extraordinary. What I mean by that is you need to give extraordinary value. Your your ideas and content must be extraordinary. And that's something that I say to myself. Oh, I love it. I think that's so powerful. on my website, you see that. Yeah, you see it up there. And so you get a sense of who I am. It's telling the user um, who I am as a human being, or a, 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 not a user, a visitor. <laughs> I'm talking right. from a, a software point of view. Um, you, you, when someone, a cold audience member, goes to my website um, and they see that, they are they're going to have two reactions. There's, there's well, three possible reactions. One is the neutral reaction, which you don't want, uh, and the, other than that, there'll be two. They'll, someone will go, "What a wanker!" Now, I don't know if that translates into American culture. Um, you might think, uh, so I think jerk is, would be a similar kind of thing. In Australia, we have, you know, we have this, uh, right. this phrase, you know, what a wanker. It kind of means what a, okay. what a, what a jerk, what an idiot. Um, you know, someone that's being a little bit egotistical because they will, but that's a reflection of them more than me, more than me. So I call this a funnel filter. By, by having this message wrapped around your core values, you're, you're actually pushing away, you're repelling the right kind of person, the person who doesn't is not like you. Uh, they are not going to be a good fit for your for your business. And the people that it sings to, the people that go, "Wow, I really like that." Um, they are your tribe. They are your audience. So you basically you're you're pulling someone into your world, and to use marketing terms, into your sales funnel from the very very start. So uh, 
understand your core values, wrap a message, a marketing message around those core values. And here's, here's a real uh, a benefit that comes from doing it this way that many haven't seen. Um, and that is that often when we talk about what we want to be, I want this business to be X, I want to be known as this. When we speak that way, we're coming from even very, 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 very subtly, we're coming from a place of ego. I want to be known as X. But if you if you come from a place, um, if you speak from your core values and to your core values and you broadcast that message, then then it's not coming from a place of ego. It's impossible because you're not talking from nor to your ego. You're, to, you're talking from the things that you value as a human being. It's a completely different way of, of, of using marketing to say exactly the same thing. And because of that, you can be very, very intentional in your marketing. I want someone to see this mess marketing message, then that marketing message, then ma- that marketing message, thus funneling someone down from, from a cold to a warm to a hot audience. And we can map those through to a no, like, and trust. Um, and we can do that. That's incredibly intentional, but at the same time, authentic. It doesn't feel like you're trying to sell. Why? Because you're not. All you're doing is you're talking from your core values and to your core values. And the reason why other people are aligning themselves with you is because they have similar core values. So it, it's flipping marketing and sales on its head um, such that uh, people just go into your sales funnel and they'll either be they'll either go, wow, I love this or uh, no, this guy's a wanker. And um, so, yeah, I've kind of stumbled over my own words and I'm lost. No, you what were was discovering, you were talking about the core values and then wrapping your marketing message around it. I think this is a good time now. Give us an example, either use yourself, Clark, or maybe somebody that you're working with, like the woman in Canada, or give us an example. What would someone do as far as like, should they write down, and I'm sure there's not a specific number, but should they try and write like, three to five core values? Should they get really like in depth on that? And then once they discover those, give us an example of what type of message that they could wrap around it to start getting someone into their funnel. If you can kind of walk us through that and give someone that they could take away from this conversation and, and apply. Sure. So I'll, I'll say the caveat to all of this is that it's actually not that easy. If you can get your core values down from the start, everything will come much more easily, but the the initial understanding, first of all, understanding your why, um, which is the step before understanding your core values, through to um, having a uh, having a sales funnel in place with all the marketing message there, all the email. Like it, it does take a long time, but the the hardest part uh, is the thinking that's required to really understand your core values. So when I first did this, it probably took me. I reckon it was probably a day at least of, of kind of deep thinking. And um, so it, requ- it does require a lot of self-reflection. There are ways of cheating this so that cheating as in like hacks in order to um, begin to use the whole um, self-reflection to understand what it is that you value. And, uh, and I, I also get, and I go into this in the training in the course, but I, I don't want to pitch people on that. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what that is. If you – just look around at the other entrepreneurs who you who you like. See the ones that you're that you gravitate to. Ask yourself why, and then look at why. 
look at the look at why you you like this person and you don't like that person, and that will give you. Um, it's almost trying to look at your shadow. Um, you know, it's like this thing that's kind of off to the side. You've got to have it's a cognitive ability to be able to see peripherally into these core um, these core values without melting them because they can be like a snowflake. If you look at them too closely, they'll just melt and you can't see them. So one way to do this is to go and you know, look at Lewis Howes, look at Frank Kern, look at look at some big names out on the internet, depending on what uh, niche that you're in, and. You know, ones you like and don't like, and ask yourself, why don't I like this person? Why do I like that person? List those things down, uh, and then list what it is that you see as important in in your life. So, um, all of this obviously has to come from a, from a, a very strong understand, a good understanding of why you're doing things. So, for me, my why is time and financial freedom. Um, time and financial freedom has nothing to do with my core values, um, but I need to understand why I'm doing this stuff so that I can begin to understand what it is that I'm going to do. And then we just we, we uh, work out what our core, uh, our core values are, and then um, we can map a particular message around it that is related, it's related to the why I'm doing something with what I'm actually doing. So I know that was a lot of words and probably a little bit overly conceptual, but here's, here's how it played out for me. I want a business that allows me to uh, have time and financial freedom such that I can pick my family family up and go for a, you know, book a B- Airbnb in Byron Bay or Bali or uh, for you guys it might be Costa Rica, Mexico, like a, a beautiful beach kind of resort location. And I want to be able to do that on a whim. Uh, I want to be able to go and climb a mountain in Tibet. I want to be able to go and do a, a, a long retreat um, in Thailand. Or Italy, I want to be able to those kinds of there. That's my why. So therefore, I need a business that will allow that. Okay, well, what kind of business could I do? For me, I've chosen um, online entrepreneurship and specifically uh, course creation. So teaching others how to do what it is that I'm doing, and so and the reason for that is that it maps through to my why. It will allow me to do those things. So what I then do is I look at my core values depth of analysis, consciousness studies, mindsets, um, meditation. Um, I love marketing, sales funnels, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so let me teach these kinds of things. Uh, actually, before that, uh, let me wrap a message around my core values. If you want to live an extraordinary life, Clark, you need to be extraordinary, Clark. And that's what I would say to myself. And then I just take the Clark bit out, the self-reflexive kind of um, personal pronoun, remove that from the sentence and there's my message. And people who who hear that and go, wow, I love that, are my tribe. And then I just have to give them something for free. Uh, in my case, in case, it's a masterclass. And in exchange for that, a first name, email, bang, they're in my, they're in my sales funnel. Now, at that point, um, if I then follow them up with other messages that also speak from my core values and to my core values, I'm actually speaking to their core right. values. That's the thing. And they don't feel like they're being sold to at that point. They don't feel like they're being, they feel an affinity with me. They see me as an authority within my domain of expertise, my niche, just fancy pants way of saying niche or, yeah, or niche, saying, I think is what you guys, niche, how you guys pronounce it. There, huh? but the proper, the, <laughs> the, 
Yeah, um, it's it's English, British English. So it's, it's anyway, anyway, it's niche, niche, um, and uh, so. No, I think your I've point was was straight on. Is once you get that core values and the person listening to it that resonates with that message, you're speaking right to them. You you know what they're situation is, the problems that they're struggling with, and you're able to talk to them because their values are matching yours. And that's where you get that solid tribe that's going to listen to everything you say. They're going to trust you in what you say, and they're going to buy everything that you have because you're giving them solutions because you understand them. So I think it's very powerful. That's one way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 kind of the way we would normally, from a marketing point of view, that's the kind of that's the way we would normally think about it. But using this approach, um, my approach, is that you're speaking from and to your core values. You're not speaking to someone else. So it's like you're talking to yourself. But because because and the re, and because they have the same or similar core values to you, they feel like they are being spoken to. Like they're reading their own. It's as if you're reading their mind. When they're reading it, it's like, wow, I, you know, I, I really resonate with this with with what this guy is saying. But you, at no point have you had have you had to think. Now I wonder whether I should say this or I should say that. You just you talk from and to your core values, uh, and so uh, yeah, the, the person on the other end who's reading it feels a very strong affinity with who you are and what you've gone through and what you offer and what you represent. Um, and how you are, how you manifest in the world. Uh, it also allows you to be incredibly authentic because in some respects you're really just being yourself minus um, the egotistical or, you know, the narcissistic side that can come in when we look at it from a point of view of or when we're trying to be something. I, I wrote um, a Facebook update, update today about, uh, for me, how this kind of happened and um, it, it, it really was an epiphany for me. Um, and so, yeah, it, it is a different way of looking at the same marketing strategies that yeah, we've all no, been taught. Perfect. I'm, I'm going to, let's just pause right here. I'm going to cut out something on here. Uh, sometimes it sounds like it's dragging the audio. So I don't know if it's the internet thing or anything, Clark, but since you're done with, with, you're done with the broadcasting now, you might try putting okay, the headphones so- on and let me see if it goes away. If you're maybe it's getting an echo or something. Uh, okay, so I'll just make sure the um, yeah. If someone else is watching, if someone else is watching video. The internet's not going to work. That's okay. She's not doing anything. Thank you. Um, Do you have multiple it could windows open? Be, okay. Yeah. Look, my my. Well, no, no, my uh, so I've I've got uh, headphones on now. Yeah, it seems um, so like it's. Dra- I don't know. We'll have to see. Hopefully, the recording comes out fine. But sometimes it gets like kind of a digital, where it kind of drowns out a little bit and then comes back in. So I don't know. It happens every now and then, but other times it's real clear. So okay. I just made a note of it here. I'm going to edit this section on, but I wanted to see if maybe that uh, putting the headphone on maybe it's a feedback thing or what. We'll have to see how it goes. Hopefully, it's. Hopefully it's not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. It, it, it could it could just be the internet. It could be, and I hate to do it because we're, we're going uh, over some good stuff bad. here. So, okay. Well, I just made a note here, so I'll, I'll edit that part out on there. But, uh, yeah, we'll jump back into it because I like what you're saying sure. here with the core values because that's 
like you said, being true. So I'm going to, I'm going to come back and just kind of reiterate what you said, and then you can go back onto it. So we'll get that. Okay. Yep. Yes, Clark, definitely. Um, I think that's, that's so powerful. I love what you said um, to the fact that you're more authentic because you're coming through with, you wrote down your core values. You're not trying to write to a market or to another person. You're writing what you believe in. And then with your marketing, you're attracting the people that resonate with those core values. So like you said, it eliminates the ego. It puts out what you truly believe, what you're trying to accomplish. And then the people that resonate with that message are going to become your core tribe. Is that right? Yeah, it's... Correct. Yeah, because when they hear that, when they hear the marketing message, you're speaking directly to their core values, or or and 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 therefore you can you can have a very different personality. You can be a uh, you can have different colored skin. You can be a different gender. You can be from a different part of the world, culturally very different. But because we're all human beings uh, and we all have core values, if you're speaking to those core values, then you're bypassing all of the cultural artifacts, the gender issues, any of the politics of being a human being, and you're speaking to someone's, their, their core of their being, and they're hearing that, they're feeling that. So they have an affinity with you, even if they are uh, very, very different to you, culturally, gender, you know, that whole thing. Um, so it, it's a different way of looking at this. No, the, and it's, it's a very different way powerful, of like because you're getting opinion. down to it's, it's a true message. It takes out the people, especially for people that like me, I don't like the salesy type, the hypey salesy. I like to have a true message coming through with authentic, that you're here to help, that you have something that can help them. And by doing what you're talking about, building your personal brand in this style, you're coming across, like you said, you don't have to be salesy then and do all these gimmicks. Yeah, totally. Gimmicks don't work anymore. I don't think anyone believes the gimmicks uh, work. Um, the there is still a balance that we need to to um, that we need to we need to keep ourselves and our marketing in balance. So one of the good things of, about this is that we can be very intentional and and we are. When we're selling things to others, we're trying to convince them that our stuff works. Um, and, you know, people are skeptical and we're on the internet, so they're even more skeptical. Uh, and so it can take a lot of effort to get someone to hand over, you know, a thousand bucks for, for a, a, a deep dive online course that will, you know, yes. it's going to completely tra- transform someone's business. But there's this trust. People have to go through a funnel where they go from cold to warm to hot, and it has to go in that sequence. Which and and what you're effectively doing is you're getting people to know, to like, and to trust you. They're not going to pull out their credit card till they trust you. And in order for that to happen, you have to give an extraordinary amount of value, um, such that they they will pull out their credit card, even though on day one they could have completely transformed their business. Um, it, it does take a while and therefore, um, it, we need to be intentional with our marketing, uh, incredibly intentional, just as intentional as what we've always been. It's just the style, uh, and the, yeah, as you said, the gimmicky kind of stuff that, that goes away, but scarcity still works. Um, all the old school, um, kind of sales copy, all of that stuff still works. It's just the tone that, that kind of shifts a little bit. So, you know, I still use scarcity in my marketing. Um, I still, 
I still, you know, we're always battling against someone's, um, all of us, we all have a, a predilection towards procrastination. It's always easier to go, you know what, I'll just buy that thing tomorrow. Even though I know it's going to be fantastic for my business, you know, maybe I'll do it next week. Um, it, it's, it is something that's in the human condition almost. And so as marketers, we're battling against that thing constantly. So, you know, uh, people shouldn't be worried about uh, whether they have competitors or not. What they should be worried about and, and fighting against is your, your lead. So if you've got a lead in a, in a funnel and you're trying to convert them into a, uh, into a customer, what you should be kind of um, battling against is their predilection towards procrastination, uh, their inability, their, their, their kind of hesitation to believe in themselves um, and so that's still, that is still there in all of our marketing. It's not as if it turns into airy fairy, new age, um, non pitchy kind of, uh, kind of selling. We still have to sell. There still has yeah. to be, you know, as Gary V says, jab, 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 right hook. Nowadays it's more like jab, 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 right hook. And the way I say it is just give value, extraordinary value again and again and again and again and again, and then make them, a, make them an offer. Just tell them what you've got. Here's my offer. Take it or leave it, and um, throw some scarcity in there. And you know, like a uh, the deadline funnel as a SaaS application is fantastic. Um, it, it provides real uh, real scarcity um, through code. You're able to create funnels that um, at the end of this this uh, this date, uh, you will not be able to, and it tracks via IP address and cookies you'll not be able to get um, my course at half price because I'm only giving it to people right. um, who, and of course you've got to be, you have to be ethical about this, but You're there? the way I've done it in the, in the past is I want to work with, with Hello, people Clark, who are taking we action. Lose you? Why? Because the kind of students I want are the ones who will take action because they're the ones who, who will Clark. succeed. Not they're more likely to succeed. They will succeed. So I don't want, and, and therefore, if I have students who are successful, my business will also flourish. So I put in Can't hear you, a scarcity Can around you hear that notion. Okay, if you want to take action, you've got five days. This is, how, this is my offer to you. This is how much it costs. You've got five days to make your choice. After that, you can still get in, but it's going to cost you double. And so creating that, that feeling of, oh, okay, so I've got to act now um, is what will cause the people who will take action to actually take action now because even action takers, um, we can still, and I put myself in in the, the, the group of people who take action, Clark, can I you hear can me? still think to myself every now and again, oh, you know, I'll do that thing tomorrow. It is something within the human, the human condition, I think, where it's just easier to, uh, to put things off. So we're talking about um, someone being in a sales funnel and talking to. If you're talking from and to your core values, then that's what. Then the person feels that, and um, they don't. They don't feel it as as marketing. However, you still do need to be intentional with your marketing. Uh, the great thing about this is it allows you to be that and authentic at the same time. However, um, the same principles of scarcity, for example, um, are required for you to be able to convert a lead into a customer. Um, the, same, the same things that, that, that old school marketers are battling with, we are too, even if you're speaking from and to your core values. We're still having to deal with sceptical human beings that um, 
you know, have trouble trusting. Uh, and so that, that doesn't change. That, that absolutely doesn't change. But what it, what it does allow us to do is it allows us to be intentional and in a way that where we come across as being authentic. And I think because of that, I, I know because of that, uh, and if you couple that with a personal brand, then your conversion rates are, are higher. Um, we know that we know this empirically through um, Facebook ads. We know that personal brands um, they convert better than a than a business brand, and it kind of makes sense because people buy from people, and we know we need to we ha- need to have this know like and trust factor in place. Um, a hot audience, someone who's just ready to buy, has a factor of trust. Even if you're buying a brand, you're buying something um, that is a uh, um, even that something's not a commodity, but it's not a personal brand. Let's say, for instance, a Porsche motor car. A Porsche motor car. Before you go and you go and drop two hundred thousand dollars on a car, you're going to want to trust it. You're going to want to trust that brand is is going to you know is going to make you feel a certain way, and also, and so um, you, you you still have to trust a brand. But but personal brands on the internet, when we're selling we're selling anything. Um, they convert better. So, you know, Apple had a very strong personal brand at the front of Apple, Microsoft too, Tesla. Good brands have a person at the front. Why? Because people buy from people. People trust people. Uh, You know, Porsche, these kinds of brands are, you know, they're a little different because they have a strong history um, and and people, you know, I, I would love to own a Porsche car. My father owned one uh, when I was, when I was a kid. So I have a little bit of attachment around, around a, a Porsche, but it's a hell of a lot of money to spend on a car. Um, but when it comes to things, um, you know, that, that aren't like a Porsche motor car, um, we're still buying from, we're, we're buying from people and therefore the same, the same tactics within marketing still apply and people are skeptical and people are procrastinate. And so we're still having to deal with, with those issues. So I, I was saying earlier, and I'll just repeat it in case it got missed, um, we find that uh, we're not so worried about competitors in our businesses. If I'm, you know, within the digital agency, if I've got if I've got clients who have competitors, uh, we're not worried about the competitors. We're worried about our leads um, procrastinating, and what we're banging banging against, pushing back against with our marketing is not we are better than everyone else. It's you know, um, pull your finger out and and. <laughs> buy our stuff because it will transform you. That's what we're really um, pushing back against because in people's minds, if they're in your funnel, then they're, they're kind of half sold and they're just looking for those, uh, those little things that, that will, that is the difference between them taking action or not. Yeah. So that's, that's effectively what I wanted to say about all of that. So personal brands, just, they just convert better. So what you're saying then is a lot of the marketers out there now need to be the face of what they're doing. They need to put themselves out there with videos, uh, Instagram stories, and really start branding themselves and their personality because that's what they're buying. So they need to put themselves out instead of hiding behind their products. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. So um, here's, here's a story. Uh, my wife and I are looking to buy a house, and we have been to um, we've been to auctions. We've uh, missed out on a couple. Uh, we missed out very, very close on one that we absolutely loved. And the last house that we looked at, we're talking to the realtor, and he was telling us about 
how in his office he's like the number one dude in his whole area by something like like double. He's selling double what everyone else is. But this guy is so non-salesy, like you wouldn't even think that he was a realtor. He, um, he, he just looks like a family man. And when you speak to him, there's no real hard push. And I was saying to, I was saying to my wife, he's either the most brilliant salesperson I've ever met um, or he just almost doesn't care about making a sale. And um, when I was speaking to him, what he said was that he started doing video. And, um, and then it, to me, it was as soon as, as soon as I heard him say that, it was like, ah, okay, I get it. He doesn't need to put on the hard sale like some of the other realtors that we've seen. And I, in fact, I walked away from an auction, halfway through an auction, because the realtor was just so salesy, I would refuse to buy a house from him. Um, it was a okay house, but we wouldn't have bought it anyway. But I was like, I don't even want to stay to the end because this guy is just so um, old school, let's put it that way. But this guy had started doing video. And if you think about it, it just what that means is people can go out and they can know, like, and trust this realtor. And therefore, they don't. he doesn't have to sell hard. He's just being himself. He tells people about his family and he speaks from his core values. He's doing it without even knowing that he's doing it, I, I would say. And that's the reason why he's doing so well. Um, so it, it's about putting yourself out there, but in a certain kind of way. And uh, when I say that personal brands convert better, that, that's that's just true. With it's born out in, with empirical data. Um, however, a lot of businesses are their own brand, and they may have multiple teams, uh, multiple people working within a team. So. There is a – you do need to be smart about this. Um, you don't want your, everyone on the team going out and doing their own videos. You need to be smart about it. Um, but, yeah, there is a, there's absolutely something to be said for a face being the face of the brand. So a classic example – not a classic example, a really good example that is contemporary. It's not classical. It's contemporary is a guy by the name of Ezra Firestone. Now, do you know Ezra? Yes. He's sure. Okay. So Ezra – yeah, he's uh, he's a very smart guy. Um, so so much so much so he calls him the, he calls himself the smart marketer. Um, <laughs> but he's a lovely guy, and um, his business he has he has multiple businesses. One of them is um, an anti aging face cream for older women. And the way that came about was that he he went into partnership with an older woman. She's probably in her late sixties, and and she's an ex model, so she's a beautiful old woman. Older woman, not old woman. Right. Older. We know woman. what you mean. And yeah, and um, so she's the face of the brand. And so, uh, she, as a marketer, he does all the business. He he buys the the cream. He houses the cream. He sells the cream. He does all of the marketing, all of the the business aspect. And she's just the face of it. She obviously gets a percentage of the business, but she really just um, reads off a teleprompter and they do videos together. So yes, you do need it, but it doesn't necessarily have to be you. However, where this works really, really well is in things like uh, if you're doing online courses, if you're doing um, coaching, anywhere where you are, you're not only the brand, um, but you're also the business, like the business is you. It works really, really well in in those circumstances as well. But it can work really, really well for someone like Ezra. So Ezra has a strong personal brand. He can can at any point, uh, he could pivot. And, and here's one of the other 
other benefits of it, and Gary Vee is very strong on this. He said he and has said for a long time that imagine if he had have branded himself as the wine guy. Like we wouldn't know who Gary Vee is. The only reason why Gary Vee is Gary Vee is because he decided to to brand himself as Gary Vee back in the day. And so one of the one of the uh, benefits of personal branding is that you can pivot later on. So right now you might be a life coach. You might be you know, selling FBA, Amazon FBA, you might have a little online course, but in 10 years' time or five years' time or two years' time, you might have a massive software company. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen to our lives. So by branding personally, it allows you to pivot later on. Not only that, but you can have multiple businesses under a personal brand. It can't happen the other way around. If you have a business, you can't have multiple personal brands under that business, but it does work the other way around. Personal brand, someone who has multiple businesses, that does work. And so that's that's one of the other the other, the other benefits of uh, of a personal brand um, is that. So it, they convert better, you can pivot. Um, there's a third one that I'm vaguing on right now. It just slipped my mind. If, if it comes back, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. Let's touch now on the, the mindset, the third pillar that you talk about. Sure. Sure. What do you want to know? <laughs> well, go, go over some of the basics. Like what is the proper mindset? What should someone have if they want to live an extraordinary life? What are some of the basics and, and some of the philosophies? Because you've got a lot of neat background with your, your Buddhist um, um, studying and a lot training. of the stuff that you have and yeah, training and so forth. And you put a lot of time into it. You've had a lot of life experiences and you've really done a lot. What I like to call, and you know, a lot of people talk about is self-awareness. And I think you've got a good grasp of self-awareness. And I think it's so important um, for someone to have that self-awareness, especially when you're talking about developing your core values, you got to have self-awareness to develop those. So give us kind of an idea of what one should do when they start going and taking on a mindset to have an extraordinary life. Okay. So I define mindset a little bit different than perhaps uh, some people would imagine. For me, uh, mindset is uh, your thoughts and, and your beliefs coupled together, and it's through that that your physical actions manifest. But it includes um, the, the entire mind-body system and the environment. So it's our lived experience. It's not just, um, you know, adopting a mindset is not just about telling yourself how wonderful you are. It's not affirmations. Uh, it is our entire lived experience. So we know this from uh, you know, Buddhism has known it for a long time. A lot of the wisdom traditions have known this for a long time. Uh, and science now has shown th- that this is true, that the physical world is a manifestation of one's own psychology. So uh, effectively what that means is that both ourselves, how, how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive the world and how we perceive ourselves within the world comes from within our, from, from our own psychology and so you can you can see that when you get two people who have a similar background uh yet they see the world in very different ways someone will see it with um full of possibility and full of creativity uh another person will 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 see they could they could be from the same town same level of education perhaps even the same family and they will see the world as being a dangerous place where you you know look at look at what's on the news today this has happened and that's happened and we've got to do something about this and it's a very it's a very um, angry, aggressive kind of way of, of perceiving the, the exact same world, so-called world. 
So it comes from our, our reality. That's the base premise from which mindset training should start. And uh, I like to then couple that with um, a, a set of training that comes from um, a professor, and I'm vaguely on the university that she's from, but it's a woman by the name of Carol DeWitt. She did, uh, she did some – so she's a, a research – a psychologist – uh, but a researcher, and she was doing experiments, as weird as this sounds, experiments on kids, uh, where they they basically were able to, to group kids into two sets of mindsets. One's a fixed mindset, and one's a growth mindset. A fixed mi- an example of, of a fixed mindset is when you, because we all, it's a spectrum, and we can flip from one side to the other, even within, you know, a day. Um, so a fixed mindset would be when you are uh, when you think that things are fixed, it's very black and white thinking. You, you think that the situation cannot change. Uh, it's very permanent. It's, um, you know, and, and your intelligence or your creativity is fixed. Your IQ is fixed. Your ability to execute is fixed. I can never do that because I am this kind of person. Um, a growth mindset believes that intelligence, creativity, all of these kinds of things can be learnt. So an, an entrepreneur, people who are good at entrepreneurialism very much live within the context of a growth mindset. So they see uh, the expression expression of creativity as something that can be exercised and if they don't know something, they'll go and teach themselves or they'll hire the right people to do that thing for them. So they're always able to see how a, a way past a problem. Um, that's the second thing. The third thing is that, all of us have a, a natural, um, almost a disp- I call it dispositional narrative. These are the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. A lot of them, a lot of these have leached onto us as children, as we were growing up, and we didn't know any better. And often our parents don't know any better. And we, we, uh, the things that we're told as kids can leach on onto us. So an example of that in in my own case is that my father used to say to me as a kid. Uh, Clark, I'm not as smart as everyone else, so I've had to work harder than everyone else. Now, what what he meant by that, he was trying to be encouraging, but what I heard was, you're not as smart as everyone else, so therefore you should work hard as twice as hard as everyone else. It wasn't until I got to high school I realised I wasn't actually the dumb kid. Um, in in fact, far from it. Uh, and and so I was able to get over that aspect. I no longer perceived myself to be um, to be silly or, or even average. Um, I knew where I was in IQ, the, the, you know, numbers. And so I knew that what my father had told me was incorrect. But as I went through university and, and particularly in the um, PhD, that was still manifesting. That feeling where I had to strive in order to succeed was still manifesting in my life because I didn't even know it was there. It was a story that I told myself about myself that you're you're not as good as everyone else. Therefore, you've got to work hard. You've got to work twice as hard as everyone else to be just as good as them. And what that meant was that I had this, uh, it was perfectionism. Uh, I never felt that what I was doing was ever good enough. So in the, in the PhD, I just spiraled down this pit of perfectionism such that um, I wasn't able to even complete the PhD because I burnt myself out. Um, and so understanding these stories, these dispositional narratives in our day, day-to-day lives will give us 
insight into who we are as human beings, how we operate, how our lived experience operates, how we see ourselves, the world around us, ourselves in the world. Um, and if we can, if we can exercise that um, self-reflexive cognitive ability to begin to tease out these narratives, these stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, then we can begin that the, the affirmations that we're saying will actually have an effect. So you need to couple um, your kind of affirmation gratitude type training, that, that kind of thing um, that a lot of people are doing these days. It's very trendy. Um, and I've been doing it for years. Um, we need to couple that with a practice of meditation that is enabling that enabling the, this uh, self-reflexive cognitive process such that it becomes better. It, we just we exercise through exercising it, it becomes better and better and better. So we are able to see more of those things that are holding us back because a lot of them, um, you, you know, I have I, I have a little bit of a beef. Can I get can I get on my soapbox for a moment, sure. Ryan? Is that okay? Step right on. So so. There's um, three myths that I see being bandied around the internet, and they are one um, from from our mate Gary V that that hustle is you know what you need in order to be successful. Right. And he's now he's now he's he no longer believes that, so he stopped saying that. Oh, did he? Him, I haven't caught that recently. Then he changed his tune on the hustle. A, a little bit, yeah, yeah. And um, so there's an interview with him and uh, and Tim Ferriss. Uh, so he poo-pooed the, the whole four-hour work week thing back in the day, and he was very strong about it, and he apologised to Tim um, on, on, on air. Um, and so he, he has back backstepped from that a little bit. But for a long time, you know, and so that's what people heard. So they thought if you just work hard, then that's enough, and it's not. It's just, it's just true. It's just not. You need to work smart, not hard. So the hustle um, – when it's it's just shallow thinking, and that was the thing that that really kind of grated against me. The second is that if we just remove our unconscious beliefs, that that our mindset will be okay. If you look at the grammar in that, how can you how can you remove something that's unconscious? You don't know it's there. Right. It's impossible. You can only remove something if you know what it is that you're removing. It's impossible to catch a thief in a crowd if you don't know what the thief looks like. And in a similar way. We, what we need to do is bring these these limiting beliefs to our conscious awareness, and we do that through meditation, uh, and then we're able to remove them. So I'm not saying we can't remove them. I'm just saying this notion that we – this shallow analysis that we just remove our self-limiting beliefs, these unconscious, unconscious limiting beliefs that everything will be okay. Um, and the third one is that if you just get your mindset right, everything will be okay. And I tease my wife about this because she often says to me, she's encouraging me to drink water. And drinking water is a very good thing. However, um, and in a similar way, fixing your mindset is a good thing. But how do you go about that? Well, you need something that's a little bit more nuanced than, you know, the platitude of just fix your mindset and everything will flow from there. And and so, yeah, I'm, I'll step back off the, off the soapbox <laughs> But it really is about, um, you know, I love I love when people are able to, um, when I see it in others, uh, when they're able to pull to pieces, not in a nasty way, I, I don't mean in a negative way, but really deconstruct something so that it is it actually, it has real utility, like and actually it'll take an effect in someone else's life such that they can become better for knowing that thing, whatever that thing is. So I just said, here's three myths. 
hopefully someone on the other end hears this and goes, hmm, actually, that's really true. So therefore, I'm going to, you know, I've heard all about this meditation kind of thing, so I'm, I'm actually going to try because right. I've heard this and what this guy was saying wasn't bullshit. It wasn't, you know, meditation is not. Um, I'm, I'm back on, on my, I'm back on the soapbox, Brian. Meditation is meditation is not. So it is not a thing that makes you more relaxed. Um, meditation, from my perspective, is a diagnostic, a therapeutic, and an analytic tool used in the endeavor of creating a good life. It's diagnostic insofar as it allows us to self-diagnose to find out what these stories are that we're telling ourselves that that are limiting us. It's therapeutic in in that through that very process of self-diagnosis, we are able to actually bring ourselves up out of the quagmire of our own our own upbringing. And I'm just talking about myself here. Um, and it's and it's also analytic, so we can use it to analyze. Um, even within business, we can use meditation to analyze not our own, not only our own psychology, but our business ideas. So it's not just about being relaxed. In fact, that's that's simply a byproduct of doing it right. well. The very the purpose of meditation is to train your mind, and if you can train your mind in a way that also allows you to do business well, and the business that you do well is helping other people do their business well or be better people, then the whole world becomes a better place. You become a better person because of it. They become a better person because, like, everyone wins. There's no losers here. Everyone yeah, wins. No, it, it's powerful. And, and I kind of shared with you, uh, I am back and forth on Facebook, that I'm starting to get into meditation, and and that's something that we'll talk a little bit about too on there. But once once one becomes aware of the stories, say they're doing it through meditation and they're, they're aware of the stories that they're telling themselves and they've brought the limiting beliefs up to the conscious level now. So they're aware of them. What are some of the strategies yep. that you use or that you teach to help people to change that story and to get past those limiting beliefs so they can empower themselves and to have a belief in themselves to take action and go towards their dreams and goals? Yep. So there's two things I want to say here. The first is that through the very process of, of making these, um, aware, becoming consciously aware of what it is that's limiting you, uh, just like a snowflake in, in a, a magnifying glass or in a, a, the sun will just melt. So awareness, you can think of awareness, conscious awareness as being the sunlight. Mm -hmm. And these things that are limiting us are like snowflakes. And through becoming aware of them, they will just melt and they'll they will dissipate. So we don't need to do a lot for that. However, what what that is doing is all it is doing is removing something um, that's preventing us from moving forward. We still need to then move forward. So that's just preventing us from moving forward. I'll repeat myself because uh, it's important. These things are stopping us from moving forward, but just having them removed won't actually push us forward. So we need to couple that with uh, um, two things that I do. Uh, and these, this is actionable uh, this is what I do every day. Before I go to sleep, I write down, um, and I'm okay. I do actually forget about this every now and again, and I and I kind of curse myself when I do it, um, patiently and with loving kindness. But I do say, mm, Clark, you've forgotten again. Um, to write down six things that I'm grateful for, and they shouldn't be big things. They should be little things like clean food, um, beautiful weather, health, like things that are. Um, that are insignificant 
what we would normally claim to be insignificant, but are actually very important within within our lives when we stop to think about it. So our loved ones, um, an ability to think clearly is an example. Um, living in a in a in a culture um, as you know, like Australia, where there's no war currently, there's no war, um, and that allows me to just be able to walk down the street without fear for, fearing for my life. Um, that that is a, an incredible blessing just to be able to do that. I can walk down the street and be thinking about my business and not be worrying about being um, stabbed or shot or any of that kind of stuff. So writing down six things before I go to sleep, the reason why it's important to do it before sleep is that it will affect your sleep. So you're going to sleep in a, in a, a, a mindset um, that is grateful for being alive. So you sleep better. Sleep um, is not, for a lot of people, is not as refreshing as what we're led to believe. So often when we wake, um, we can still hold anxiety, anxiety from bad dreams, dreams that we don't even recall, um, but other things as well. Just lying on your back for that long or on your side or on your stomach for that long, um, from a, a mind point of view, a consciousness point of view, it can bring up and catalyze uh, things that al- that keep the kind of the the nervous system buzzing away. So as soon as I wake up, if I'm not on my back, I roll onto my onto my back. I put my left arm and right arm down by my side, palms up. Um, although I have a kind of a funny right shoulder, so sometimes I have to move my hand upside down so my palm is on the mattress. I say that just so that people aren't. If someone wants to take this up, that they're not rigid about it because all of this has to be set within the context of relaxation, that we're, we're attempting to become more and more relaxed in our lived experience, our mind-body complex. And then I start a breathing meditation and breathing where you're not – effectively, you're just breathing, breathing like you're asleep. You're not regulating the breath. You're not doing long breaths. You're not doing short breaths. You're just allowing the body to breathe, but being aware of the breathing process. So your, your stomach going in and out, these kinds of things. Um, the feeling- now, is it, is it- – Breathing through the nose, Clark, or through the mouth, or does it matter? It doesn't matter. I, it, for me, just it's easy to breathe through through the nose. So I just breathe normally. Okay. So if you breathe through your mouth normally, then just continue to breathe through your mouth normally. It, it honestly doesn't matter because what you're doing is you're just trying to remove the anxiety that's that's uh, that's there through sleeping, um, you know, bad dreams and all that. So you do that. I, I might do that for one, two minutes, depending on how busy I'm going to be for the day. It might be for half an hour. Uh, then I will visualize what I'm going to do throughout the day. So if I've got, as an example, if I've got an invoice coming in, um, an important invoice, and uh, I don't know whether it's come in or not yet, I will um, I will imagine myself going to my desk, opening up um, my inbox, Gmail, and there's the invoice that's been paid. I visualize my life going well throughout the course of that day. So everything that I need, needed to get done, if I have a client meeting, um, and I'm trying to sell them into the agency that I imagine every, I imagine walking into their office. I imagine shaking the guy's hand. I imagine the, you know, absolutely owning the room. I imagine, um, the guy, you know, signing the contract there and then not having to think about it. Um, and, and handing over my, like um, everything going ex- incredibly well. I do that for a couple of minutes and then I will go on to the next uh, 90 days to 180 days. So the first is next three months. What do I get? What do I want to achieve in the next three months? And I imagine that. But this is um, this is a, a, a very much a creative process. Um, 
I don't want it to sound like it's kind of new agey, woo-woo or the, the law of attraction thing. So I want to stop here and say this. This is my caveat. This practice is not about manifesting something magical. What it is, it's about creating um, it's, be, it's about creating an energy within our own mind-body complex, within, within our own psychology that will enable you to put the actions in place that will enable this thing that you're imagining to actually happen. So we can't, we can't be imagining stuff that's just so beyond our pay grade that it's never going to happen because all, all that will happen is we'll be disappointed. We need to be practical about this. But at the same time, we are within the realm of possibility, what is possible, and we can be creative with that. So I would want people to be, and I am in my own practice, quite creative about that. And so I, I do I do think, okay, so where do I want my business to be in six months? How, how much money do I want to earn? And then I double it. Okay, so good. that's essentially my practice. Yeah, I love it. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's that's powerful. And then someone can actually go through now and, and be able to put that into application. So I appreciate you sharing that. Now, one of your videos you talked on there, Clark, you said that you meditate in the middle of your workday. Yeah. Now, do you do a morning and night or do you just focus more other than your morning one that you just talked about? Do you just focus more on doing a midday meditation as a daily practice? Uh, so I'm pretty organic with it. Um, it tends to be – so it, it really depends on how my day is going. And I, I, don't, I don't meditate in reaction to something, although if something really disastrous happens, I will default towards um, looking at my mind just to make sure I'm not becoming resentful or negative in any, in, in any way. Um, but daily meditation is in the morning, um, at night, uh, and anywhere in the middle of the day where I can fit it. So um, an example could be, uh, so an example would be just before we sat down, uh, I sat down and meditated for a couple of minutes. It's only a couple of minutes. So, you know, meditation doesn't have to be a super formal thing where, um, you know, you get your cushion and you light a candle and you put on special sacred music. It's not like that. It's Meditation is a diagnostic, therapeutic, and analytic tool used in the endeavor of, of creating, of crafting, of building a good life. So you have to remove the things that are preventing that from happening. And you have to create the action. You have to create the thing in, in, that you're looking, this, the, your why, you know, you, the life, time, and, and financial freedom for me. So I have to create the causes that will enable that. So it could be literally... Uh, I've got five minutes between um, sending off this email and the microwave. You know, I've got lunch in the microwave and I've, it's set to five minutes. I've got five minutes. All right, so let's just sit down for five minutes. I'll hear the microphone go ding. So I'll know when it's, when it's going to end and then I'll just sit in my chair in front of my desk and meditate for five minutes. It can be like that. And then at other times yeah, it'll I, be – yeah, at other, at, sorry, at other times it, it will be literally – you know what? I haven't. I haven't had a longer. I feel like meditating, so I will get up from my desk and I will go to the room that I meditate in, and I will do a proper session. So I, for me, meditation is a combination of formal and just peppering it in throughout the day, so that it's it's always a part of my lived experience, so to speak. Yes. Thanks for demystifying it for us too, because a lot of people think that all right, I need to sit in a certain room lotus position, incense burning. And I'm glad you brought up the fact that, hey, 
if I got two minutes, I'm going to take that two minutes. If I'm waiting for five minutes for my lunch to cook and people need to know that they can take those moments to meditate. It doesn't have to be a set formal thing that you're doing for 30 minutes or something. You can do smaller sessions throughout the day to help you yep. on that journey. So thanks for clarifying it. Cause I think a lot of people have this unknown notion on it and have this perceived idea of what meditation should be. So thanks for sharing yeah. that. Now, what would you say that, what are from, you know, you've been doing meditating for a long time. You've studied with some great Buddhist monks. You've personally met the Dalai Lama. Um, you've got some great stuff. What are the benefits that you have received from meditation? What can you share for someone who hasn't that they can look forward to receiving by practicing meditation? Um, benefits. The benefits are, there are, there are so many that it's impossible to, to list. And when I hear other people say that, I, I think to myself, bullshit. Um, so, but I, I want to say that that's, that's just true. There are, things that science are starting to be aware of um, from a physical health point of view, that meditation, um, that it does help from a health point of view. For me, that's never been the focus of, uh, of meditation. And so I can't really speak to that. No, that's fine. I want so, you to but hear what benefits that you have personally experienced through meditation. Yeah. What has it done yeah, for so you? Uh, it has completely trans transformed my life. Um, from where I was to where I am now, it couldn't have happened without um, without being able to uh, to meditate. And 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 but it, see, here's the thing, Brian. I'm pushing back on this question a little bit because I, I think that the 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 question is um, it, it's looking at meditation in the wrong way. And, and that is that, that although I do say that it's a diagnostic, therapeutic and analytic tool used in the endeavour of, of having a good life, of crafting a good life, uh, it, it, and in that context, it can be seen as a tool uh, and it is a tool, but it's also a way of living. And therefore, the notion that, that, that it has benefits for your life means that it becomes something that's, that's not a part of your life. It's something that you pick up and you put down. And that's why I'm, I'm kind of, I feel uncomfortable by answering the question. And I have always felt it's not, I've heard, I've had this question a lot over the years. Many, many people have asked me this and I always feel uncomfortable about it. And I can't quite articulate what it is that makes me feel uncomfortable. But what I think it might be is that I have this feeling that meditation is just such a part of who I am that it's not something I pick up and put down. It's something that I do when I'm, even when I'm working, I try and as much as possible live from that space that we would normally create from within the so-called, you know, putting it in scary quotes, meditative um, practice. D am I making sense or, or does, it, does it sound like I'm being completely, um, uh, you know, avoiding <laughs> answering the question? No, no, I, I understand what you're saying on there. I think what you're saying is it's it's not basically a tool. It's, it's who Clark is. Clark meditates and it's part of who you are. And I kind of think what I'm trying to get from, from asking this question, and I know you can't give a canned response and you can't say it does A, B, C, D. Um, but you said it transformed your life. So what I kind of look at is when you transform, you know, yeah. how someone can transform their being, they can say, I want to become this person. 
and usually as an ends yep. to a means. So yeah, someone may want to get a better job. They want to make six figures. They want to make half a million. They want to make a million dollars. All those things may be good goals to it, but if you look at the end goal, those are means to get to maybe the person you want to be who's more charismatic, who um, can influence mm. others and influence themselves in positive ways, who can provide tons of value to the world because that's the way they're going to earn that amount of money by giving more value. So by becoming yeah. that person, they have more benefits in their life than the pre-person they were. So let's say Brian starts out as Brian 1, but Brian wants to go to Brian 2.0. And yep. so what I, I, mean, I guess I'm with my question with the meditation was prior to Clark having meditation be who he was and who, who are you, who you are kind of what, mm. what are the benefits that you've got? I mean, you said it transformed your life. So as a personal level, maybe it's helped you become more creative. Um, it has, and I'm not talking about it's lowered your blood pressure. It's made you calm. I'm talking about the transformation to Clark from someone who didn't meditate until you got into it. And now it's who Clark is. You see what I'm saying? So I don't know if yeah. it's something you can answer or if that kind of clarifies what I was trying to reach with or if that helps make you a little, yeah, no, feel a I little got, bit better what I'm trying to get across. Or I, I got the question um, the first time and okay. thank you for the for, – thanks for the clarification. It is, a, it is a legitimate question that many, many people want to answer. The problem that we have as meditators is that well, there's only one clock. Right. So I have no way of knowing what Clark would be like if I hadn't meditated. So then the, the question then becomes, well, what's the point of meditation? So um, the point of meditation is that it allows you to be, uh, or a byproduct of it is that you increase your ability to be self-reflexive. You, you, you know, as the, the Greeks used to say, the Greeks would say, know thyself. Well, you know, right. you know every part of you, the good bits and the bad yes. bits. Um, the good bits and the bad bits, you're very, very aware of, uh, I'm very, very aware of how impatient I can be at times. Uh, I want something done now and I want it done properly. And if it's not, I can be, um, there is a certain energy about me that some people get and some people don't. My, the place from which I come is always a place of um, compassion and loving kindness. And as much as possible, uh, that is that that's the place from which I come, but that is not that's not meditation. That's an ethical framework that grounds my life. That's the context for my life. Meditation allows me to be more self-reflexive. So I would say that um, I actually love this conversation. I love the question, um, although I'm pushing back against it, and I guess I'm pushing back against it in a way because I'm also interested in going deeper in it. I just don't want to give you a um, a very shallow answer to that because I could say, well, it's made me more creative and I'm happier and um, I've got more energy and um, I'm less judgmental and I'm more compassionate and I'm more patient. Um, that is all true. But how do I actually know right. that? Like I don't really know that. I can't know that ever because I'm, I'm one person I have a, a stream of consciousness that's been influenced by this self-reflexive practice that I've been doing for 20 years. So there's no way of me knowing what the trajectory would have been if I had have not meditated. I can tell you that the people that I was hanging out with when I was back in art school, 
uh, I can tell you where their lives went and they were vastly different. Um, and, you know, but we're not the same people. So it's a very, it's actually a tough, it's a tough question to answer. Um, I would say that all of those things that I just listed, I believe are true, but I've got no way of verifying whether it's actually a fact or whether it's just what would have happened to Clark. And when I, as I say that, what would have happened to Clark anyway, in my, in my heart, I, I think, well, there's no way known that could have happened because you can only become uh, more patient, less judgmental, happier, calmer, all of these things, more intelligent, all of these things through a process of self-reflection. That's the only way it can happen because if you don't self-reflect, you don't know what to change. You don't know what you don't know what a dysfunctional aspect of you of your personality is and what a functional, constructive, positive um, state of mind is and therefore you don't know which ones to enhance and which ones to kind of try and remove. And meditation does that. Meditation gives you that ability. Um, so... Yeah, I feel like I've done a really, really bad job of answering that no, question. No, for that's you, Ryan. fine. Sorry, and, and, and I, I love, and I love your stance though, because so many people could just give the canned responses, like you said, and say, "Oh, I'm more relaxed, I'm less judgmental, I'm all this." So I love how you really thought deeply about it, because it shows that there is a deeper thing. And and again, we can touch on this another time, because I'd love to talk to you more about it and the deeper aspect. But I think that this self inner reflection is one of the real keys to it of just, like you said, know thyself. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier, self-awareness, yeah. I think, is so huge to our growth and becoming more of who we are and to tapping into our full potential. You know, if you don't look inward, yeah. Like you said, the good bits and the bad bits, you got to take it all into one because that's who we are. We're made up of all those things and we need to. Yeah, we don't have to be patient with our bad bits though. Like um, we don't have to, uh, you know, right. we don't have to indulge them. They can actually be removed. They're, they're, they are not inherently a part or innately a part of who we are. They are they are things that we've learnt either in earlier um, adulthood or, or childhood, um, they could be cultural things that we've learned just through being an Australian. There's a there's a certain way that I am through being Australian. I need to I need to not that I have to try and be a different person, but in certain settings, I, I kind of need to tone that down a bit because Australians can be uh, and we're known to be incredibly direct. And in some other cultures, that's completely misunderstood. So if I go into a business meeting in, say, China, or even with with you guys in the, in the states, um, you guys are, are Australians can be misunderstood. So I need to be aware of that. I need to be culturally sensitive of where I am. Um, and in and in the same way, these kind of dysfunctional aspects of Clark, I don't have to let them continue to beat me up. I can do something about it. So if I if I am overly impatient. Um, self-reflection, that ability to be, to see what's going on in a moment by moment basis in my lived experience, I can know, okay, now I'm, now I'm angry. Now I'm uh, being impatient and that's unfair on this other person. I then begin to use analysis and just plain old intelligence to, to know when I'm not doing the right thing by both myself and others. And I then put the steps in place so that I refrain from hurting both myself and others. And over time, what happens is that you just, you do naturally become more patient, less, res less resentful, less, more intelligent, um, 
all of those things that I listed before are actual benefits of this life of um, um, of, of I was I was going to say of a contemplative, and uh, that sounds almost a little bit too um, esoteric. I'm I've got this idea, and I'm kind of partway through it, so I'm going to put it out into the universe right now. I'm partway through writing a book, and the book's called Think Like a Meditator. Um, and it's kind of off the back of my mindset training, but think like a meditator, how to unlock your hidden potential to an extraordinary life. And, and in that, the, the premise of that is that we shouldn't, we shouldn't pick meditation up at, the, at, at a convenient time and then put it back down again. Meditation should be a part of our whole lived experience. So everything we do comes from that same place. And that when we are formally sitting in meditation, what we're actually doing is we're practicing for when we will be off the cushion. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, again, a very different way of looking at meditation. Meditation is not something that you go and do because it makes you feel good. Meditation is something that you do in order to be a better person when you're not meditating. You bring it into your life and therefore you can have a better business. You can be a better partner. You can have, uh, you can be a better entrepreneur. You can be, a, you can be a better human being. You can do and affect more people, including yourself. As you said before, you can influence yourself and influence others in a positive way. You can do that by thinking like a meditator, bringing meditation into your daily life. And, and really that's why I push back to, on that initial question is this just this ill feeling of, you know, it shouldn't be a part of, a, a, a separate from us. It should be who we are, not just what we do. Right. So you'll be explaining that, I take it in the book then, correct? You'll be delving deeper into it? Uh, awesome. Correct. When, when do you anticipate yeah, yeah. that I, coming assume- out, Clark? <laughs> Oh, I'm regretting telling you uh, now. No, you put it out in the universe. Um, it's done. Yeah, I did. Um, so I've, I would like to think in 12 months' time we can have a chat again and we'll be talking yes. about the book. Um, but I can't promise you anything because I, 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 I really don't know. And if I'm going to do it, I want to do it well and I want to do it properly. Yeah. And I, I want the topic to be um, – I want it to be described in a way that will actually have utility for the for the people that I'm pitching it towards, which is is kind of my niche, right? It's it's the entrepreneurial space, um, so that people can pick the book up and it's it's intellectually stimulating, but also actionable on a daily basis. Um, but effectively, it is um, you know it's a and and I had ideas of of doing all of that and making it a, um, a part of. Um, a book a book funnel so it would then be both something that would um, funnel into my mindset training which I have on clarkscotteducation.com clark with an e um, and uh, so it would be a part of the funnel for the mindset training um, uh, course but it would also be a way of bringing people into into my world where I can teach them how to be um, not only better entrepreneurs, but the ones who are thinking about, or perhaps you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of kids out there who call themselves entrepreneurs, but they're not really. They want to be an entrepreneur or they're just starting to build out businesses. So having that whole mentorship program, the academy, where, where um you know, where, where you can be taught how to be an entrepreneur that will affect real change in the world. That's, it was twofold, really. Yeah, that's great. I'll be looking forward to that in 12 months then, Clark. <laughs> I've got, I've got two, uh, two chapters um, written and um, they were an absolute blast to, to, to write. I had a lot of fun, um, a lot of fun writing them. 
So, you know, if I had the time, if I just had, um, you know, probably take me six months to write it. I'm not a particularly fast writer, uh, quick writer. Uh, six months would be enough time to write this, um, probably get it done in three and then you, you know, draft one and right. be done in that period of time. But it's the problem is, is finding the time, is blocking that amount of time out when I've got other things happening. It's, it's, um, it, it is, it's difficult. It's, it's not easy. Book, writing books is not uh, writing in writing per se is something that I love doing, um, but it is not something that's that's easy. No, it it, t- it takes a lot, and you do have to dedicate time to it. So with all your other projects and stuff, yeah, I can see it taking twelve months. Yeah. So no, keep me posted on it because definitely I I I'll be definitely interested in reading that, and then uh, having you back on the show to to talk about that as well. And I got a few more things I want to yeah, talk cool. with you before we wrap this up here, Clark. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is you have your personal branding mastery, how to build a seven-figure business around your personal brand. Can you kind of tell the audience what that program's about? Uh, it's, it, it it's, does exactly what it says it does. Um, it is a online course that it is a soup to nuts course that will take you through whether you have a personal brand or not, uh, whether you have a following or not, uh, that creates all of the pieces uh, all the pieces that you need to build a seven-figure business around your personal brand. So that's broken down into four segments, branding strategies, content strategies, monetization strategies, and scaling strategies. So I, and I, I did a, a review for someone's personal brand recently, and um, it was effectively just a blog. So she had, um, and, and it wasn't around her personal brand, uh, or it kind of was, Um so her branding strategies, she didn't really have in place. She had really, really good content, really top, good top of the funnel content um, and no monetization strategy in place and therefore no scaling. If you don't have all of those four in place, you don't have a business. You don't have a business that will, will, that will have cash flow that will enable you to create more content, bring more people into your funnel and therefore affect more people. So the, the course really takes someone whether they are they have an existing business that's not quite working or um, doesn't have all of those four pieces or a business, uh, someone that doesn't have anything at all, it takes them through the entire process. So I have students in there that um, have existing businesses and I'm talking with a couple of people who have no business whatsoever. It's, it's in its uh, introductory phase, so you can get it now at half price, um, but I'm limiting that to a certain number of students before I, I set it at, at its um, final price, um, which will be 997 US. Um, and and then we basically scale it out from there. So it's essentially everything I know. There's more than 100 videos in there. And I, I, I heard when I, when I was thinking about doing the course, um, I was listening to a guy by the name of Mike Dillard. Do you know Mike at all? Yeah, Mike Dillard, yes. Yeah, so I, I was listening to a, an interview that he did with, um, oh, my God, I'm vaguing in the guy's name now. Um, he said, uh, trust me, I'm lying. He wrote that book. Um, let me, I'm going to. Um, it's not Ryan Holiday, is it? Ryan Holiday, yeah. So it was an interview Ryan. with Ryan Holiday. And uh, and um the interview they spoke about, so Ryan had a book about the perennial bestsellers and it was effectively, the, the premise of that is if you're going to do something, do it well and do it so well that it becomes a perennial seller. And Mike 
um, was banging on about the the kind of the trend that's happening because of social media and content marketing and um, dare I say it, old Gary V, where you just put out content daily and you're documenting your life and that's what we're all supposed to do. But what what comes of that is a shallowness of all the content that we produce. And I've I've done courses before. We're all we're all training ourselves, right? Um, and and some of them you, you you buy a course and you go through it and you go. I already knew all of that. Like it, it didn't give me anything. It, there was no depth to it. And and Mike was saying, um, he, he was saying that that's a real phenomenon and I completely agree with it. And he also said that uh, for when his career took off, uh, he was told by his mentor that to learn one thing and learn it well. And so he spoke very much about uh, if you're going to, if you're going to do a course, do one that is deep dive. Don't get one that's, you know, uh, four videos or six videos, like get one that's a lot. So I went, you know, I really like what Mike has to say. I, I trust him. Um, I trust his his ideas. He's clearly a very, very successful entrepreneur um, and uh, an all-around good guy by, by the looks of it, but I don't know him personally. And so I took that on board and I effectively did that with my course. So my course, you get everything. You get absolutely everything from um, and I also do it in a way where I show you the buttons to push. So someone who is somewhat of a technophobe um, can go on there and learn exactly what buttons they have to have to click in, let's say, Active Campaign or Kajabi or my preferred SaaS applications in order to go from not having a business, not even having a website if you wanted to, not having anything at, at all through to having an actual business with sales funnels in place, content strategies in place, branding strategies in place, monetization strategies in place, and the scaling strategies. So we do that via, I show you, I, I, I basically open the doors to my business and show you the exact funnels, how I run Facebook ads, the exact targeting I'm, I'm using, why I'm using this targeting over that targeting, um, how, what kind of budgets that I put behind my, all of that, I show you everything. And, and that way, you've, I'm essentially what I'm doing is I'm teaching, rather than just giving you a meal, here's a meal, an online course, give me a thousand bucks and see ya and kind of, you know, wipe my hands of you. I'm, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. That's not how I like to run my life and it's not how I want to run my business. What I'm doing is teaching you how to cook. So if I can teach you how to cook, then you'll never go hungry. Never. Right. No, it won't matter. In five years' time, you'll still have the skills that I taught you in order to create some other business. So you'll understand. So it's a lot of it is conceptual. A lot of it is is uh, it's part theory and part practical. So it is a deep dive. And um, so that's it. A lot of words to say. It's a very good course. Go and buy it, Brian. Great. I love it. <laughs> and, and, and how can the listeners um, get involved in that course? What? what uh, so you just yeah, just clarkscotteducation.com. That's Clark with an E. Um, and there, there are pages, there's a, a link to courses and in there it's called, uh, personal branding, uh, master's program is what it's actually called. How to build a seven figure business, uh, around your personal brand. Okay. And give that, uh, give that address again one more time. It looks like it kind of faded out there. Okay. ClarkScottEducation.com and that's Clark with an E. Perfect. We'll have that linked up in the show notes. And then what's awesome. the best way for the Mindset family to connect with you, Clark, on social medias or uh, emails and things? Yeah. So I do Facebook uh, and in the course as well. I actually, the a lot of the content strategy, strategy is 
um, building out pieces of content that speak to and from your core values. So I'm teaching all of that. Um, I teach how to actually find your core values, how to wrap a message around those core values, how to find a niche, uh, a niche that's profitable, uh, and then how to create content that speaks to your core values. Uh, and then what to put on what platform. YouTube and Facebook are very, very different. Instagram, again, very, very different. And they can be used uh, to create this kind of circle of trust. You can wrap your arms around your community in a way that really drives the know, like, and trust, the the cold through to a hot audience so that you're, you're converting a lead into a customer very, very easily. So all of that is to say um, I am on Facebook, I am on Instagram, and I am on YouTube uh, and all of that can be found from clarkscotteducation.com, Clark with an E. Perfect. We'll have that linked in there. Final message for you, Clark. What is the final message that you'd like to give to the mindset listeners about truly building a successful business and building a strong personal brand for themselves? If you want to live an extraordinary life, you need to be extraordinary. You need to give extraordinary value. You need to know your niche in an extraordinary way, you need to be extraordinary. And that through that, this life that you dream of will just magically manifest because you do, you're, you're, you're effectively doing uh, extraordinary things and uh, being extraordinary. I love it. Perfect. Thanks so much, Clark. I appreciate you coming back on the show. It's been great. Uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it. Thank you, you very much. Okay, guys. Until next time, thanks for checking in. I appreciate you guys. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.